The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, welcome. We are so glad you're here with us this morning, both here in person and online. We welcome you here. We are on week three of a five-week series called God and Technology, Faithfulness in a Digital Age. Ben kicked off our series with a challenge that we should disconnect from our phones and our screens so that we can reconnect with each other. And then Brett last week reminded us of the incarnation of Christ. God showed up in flesh, in person, and so should we. Today I want us to turn our attention to the spaces where we spend our days. I want us to take notice of our surroundings and consider with new eyes how we can stay aware and awake to the sacred and holy moments of our lives where heaven and earth meet. I want to open by reading the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this time together this morning. We acknowledge your presence And we ask that you illumine your word to us. May we continue to open our lives to your leading and to your shaping. May we learn to love you and each other more deeply day by day. And may we shape our lives and our spaces to welcome your power, your presence, and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I've been reading and studying and thinking about this series on technology, I've been looking at my own life and just seeing all the places where technology has touched it. In my childhood, I remember not everyone had a TV. I remember that VCRs came in, but they were so expensive, we would just rent them occasionally. I think about how things have changed dramatically, how, I've, how we're listening to music, how it started from like reel-to-reel tapes to, to albums to eight tracks, that, that was a great season, to cassette tapes to CDs, and now pretty much we just stream our music. And when you think about like cameras and taking pictures, man, that's changed. Nobody develops film anymore. Nobody hands out pictures. We snap a picture and we send it to all of our friends immediately. Advances in technology just keep coming, and it's hard to keep up. Not only is technology changing, but so are we, and technology is changing us. I know that we as followers of Jesus have struggled with this response to technology. Is it good or is it bad? What is it? Ben argued that technology certainly isn't neutral. And I think that we've kind of swung the pendulum back and forth. First, maybe going wildly one way that everything's evil, 
maybe to the other extreme that we just kind of don't notice and we're complacent and apathetic. I remember one youth rally I attended in the early 80s. That kind of dates me. The whole point of the weekend was, the, was to just talk about the evils of rock and roll music, a whole weekend of it. Many of us, really, we threw away all of our albums and cassettes. I think the only thing that survived was Amy Grant. And we proclaimed all rock and roll is evil. In hindsight, I can see how easy it is to just paint things with a very broad stroke. It's all bad. Instead of looking at both the challenge and the opportunity. So I don't want to come across this morning painting technology as evil. Don't hear me say that. We all know that it just simply isn't true. Our phones and screens have potential for both good and bad. But I do want us to just think about how technology is affecting the rhythms and how we spend our days. I want us to look at how we can be intentional in creating space, both in our physical surroundings and in our daily rhythms, that allows God to be at the center of our lives. I think we can all agree that we have a finite number of days to spend on this earth, and we want to spend it on what's important. One of the books that informed this series is called The Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. If you're looking for a good source uh, for some practical tips that just talks about technology and how it's influencing your life, mostly referring to phones and screens, this is a good source. But in the middle of the book, there's a chapter called Shaping Space, and this is where we want to focus this week. When I'm referring to space, I'm thinking of two things. First, the environments that we live in, the places where we spend the majority of our time. Think homes, living rooms. And second is the space that in our lives where we create time and attention for God and others. Technology is taking up more and more of these spaces. There's a really good documentary right now on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I would encourage you to check it out. It's a stark message that highlights the truth that technology is creeping into almost every corner of our lives, and it's changing us. We are exchanging real-life experiences for virtual. It is leaving us isolated and lonely. And you know it. A like or a thumbs up on your Instagram account or your Facebook page isn't the same as a face-to-face conversation with eye contact and the natural give and take of an authentic interaction. Yet we are drawn more and more to this constant pull of the virtual connection. The reality is the tech companies are competing for your attention and are built to keep you connected as long as possible. In essence, they're trying to have you give up as much of this time you have and this attention that you have, it's finite to them so that they can sell that attention to advertisers. More than ever, we need to be aware of the potential life-altering influences some forms of technology can have on us. So what do we do? Do we throw our phones away? Do we all do that? No, but I think it's a good reminder for us just to lift our eyes with new determination on how we're spending 
our lives and that we live for what is most important. And more than ever, that we're mindful of shaping the spaces we live in. We just read the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. As followers of Jesus and citizens of the kingdom of God, we want to spend our lives creating space where God's kingdom breaks through. To make room for where on heaven, to make room for on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven moments. That is the space that we are seeking to create. Those on earth as it is in heaven moments are real. In fact, in one, my life, here's just one example. I married into a, gr- a family of really good singers. John's family all loves to sing and they can even harmonize. During one of our family reunions, we had one of those fun, silly talent shows for the kids. But at the end, we talked John's sisters into singing for us, and they chose a favorite hymn of John's mother's, I I Come to the Garden Alone. John's older sister started with her strong soprano voice, and then John's younger sister came in and harmonized perfectly underneath her. They made it through the first verse and started the chorus. And then they hit the line, and he walks with me. Their eyes caught each other. They both welled up. They fell into a big hug. They broke it out into tears. We all welled up and laughed at our emotion. Honestly, it still kind of makes me a little choked up thinking about it. It was that quiet, inexpressible place where our deepest feelings toward each other surfaced. It was that tender love we have for God and each other. It was all present. He does walk with us. It was one of those on earth as it is in heaven moments. It was sacred space. Isn't that what happens when we create space for God in our days? We are overwhelmed by his goodness and we are changed. Each time we draw near to him, he renews, he restores, he redeems. We experience on earth as it is in heaven because his love breaks through. So practically speaking, how do we take steps in our lives to make room for those sacred moments? How do we make room for God? As I've said, I have to say, first of all, it isn't always easy, right? In the book, The Happiness Advantage, Sean Acor talks about that we often just take the path of least resistance. We can mindlessly spend our free time on whatever is easy rather than what we really want to spend our time on. In his book, he gives a great example that he wanted to challenge himself to learn to play the guitar. So he made a spreadsheet with the steps, on, that, the, with the steps that he needed to take. He entered the, the spreadsheet into his calendar, and the strategy was airtight. He would come home after work, make, uh, practice each night after work, making steps towards this big goal. But he reported it didn't take long for a couple nights to go, or he missed a couple nights, and it wasn't long before he was back to his old routine of sitting on the couch, grabbing the remote, and watching TV. 
his goal left, on, left there undone. It was just too easy to do the easy. He was discouraged at that his intention, his spreadsheet, and his initial energy were no match for the path of easy. How many of us fall prey to distraction after distraction just because it's there and just because it's easy? The notifications from email, Twitter, Facebook, snatching up our attention and time almost without us even realizing it. How often we choose the easy over the important. I remember years back at a Bible study with some of the women here, we were talking about the Old Testament story of Jacob and Esau. It was the story when Esau comes in from the hunt and is hungry, and Jacob, his brother, is fixing a warm, savory stew over an open fire, and Esau smells the stew. Esau asks Jacob for, for some of the stew, and Jacob sees the opportunity and asks Esau for his birthright in exchange for a bowl of soup. Esau relents, surrendering his birthright for soup. It's an incredible story, and I've often wondered, why would Esau give away something so important, his birthright for soup? During the discussion we had after that, Sarah Stinchcombe commented, and I always loved whatever Sarah said. She said, we often choose the immediate over the eternal. Isn't it true that we often choose the immediate over the eternal? So how do we resist this tendency, this human tendency we have? Andy Crouch in the TechWise family suggests the best way to choose the eternal is to make it part of the furniture. So think about this in context of our homes. According to Barner Research, about 79% of your time, your leisure and your entertainment time, is spent in your living rooms. And the, the second most place you spend most of your time is your kitchen. What can we do to encourage this space, to make this space that welcomes sacred time? Crouch challenges us to make these areas places that foster creation more than consumption, to make the center the place that rewards skill and active engagement. He says, push technology to the edges and move deeper and more lasting things to the core. Comfortable seating for conversation, books, board games, craft table, instruments. Make the space a welcome place where we listen, talk, laugh, sing, share. Now, I'm not asking you to be rigid about this, but I'm just saying think of a few ways, few small sustainable moves you can create in, the in an environment in the center of your home that encourages active engagement and creation over consumption. Secondly, I wanted to look briefly at the space we would create between God and others. Again, knowing our human nature can easily slide into the path of distraction and mindless scrolling. There are a few practical tips that you might consider. First, turn off your notifications. Turn off the things that are capturing and interrupting you and, and keeping your attention. Second, delete the apps that are taking up a lot of your time and interrupting your days. 
And lastly, let's think about our technology within our home. Maybe our phones charge at night in a common room rather, in the, rather than in our bedrooms. Perhaps we commit to using our phones to only together and not alone. Maybe there are no phones during mealtimes. Ben recommended that we disconnect so we can reconnect, so that we can make mo the most of this time together. We show our love for God and others by giving our full attention to them. Now, I want to I have a reality check here. I don't think that anything has impacted my life personally more than the iPhone. I am no longer directionally challenged because of maps. I can find my way anywhere. This is really good because I've been lost in many cities. I'm a better cook because now I can find any recipe I want and I can find a video of somebody walking me through each step. It is amazing, right? But I know that I have wasted a lot of time on my phone. I've been distracted at checking this, checking that. I know, I can see, this has changed me. And at times I've given atten my attention to technology instead of others, instead of my kids. Needless to say, I know that I have lots of room for growth in this area. But this morning, I don't want us to retreat into fear or shame, but I want to press in to God to help us master this challenge that's before us. Technology is not going away. But how do we manage technology in a God-honoring way? We create space. We create space in our homes, and in our lives for God's motion to redeem, to restore, and to renew us, welcoming on earth as it is in heaven moments. In N.T. Wright's book, this is a great book, Surprised by Hope, he writes this, that is the truth of the resurrection, turned into prayer, turned into forgiveness and remission of debts, turned into love. It is constantly surprising, constantly full of hope, constantly coming to us from God's future to shape us into the people through whom God can carry out his work in the world. God is shaping us into the people through whom he can carry out his work in the world. We make space for God to shape us. Let's celebrate that as we stand and sing.